Hello there. This is Eric Senrod from Dwayne Morris bringing you your weekly Tech Law 10, where the law and information technology intersect. As always, I'm joined by my colleague, Jonathan Armstrong at Quartery. And one of my favorite bands from uh, the early 1980s and onward was The Police. And Jonathan, I understand you've been thinking about certain investigations by other police. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. This isn't a sting in this case. This isn't a case of somebody standing too close to me. We are talking <laughs> here about the uh, the Metropolitan Police. And uh, interestingly, they the police themselves are under investigation from the ICO, the UK Data Protection Authority. And this is about subject access requests. Now, we've talked about subject access requests. Previously, these are, this is a right that used to exist pre-GDPR and has been put on steroids through GDPR for anyone to ask an organization about the data that is held on them. So, for example, if you've been uh, in London or you live in London, you could ask the Metropolitan Police what data they have on you. That could include, for example, CCTV footage, surveillance camera footage, where the Metropolitan Police, which, by the way, we call the Met, uh, own the system. Now, we don't know how many subject access requests have been made across the EU. My gut feel would be it's certainly north of a million since GDPR came in. We know that around about 150,000 complaints have been made to regulators as at the end of May, and as a very, very rough ballpark figure, about a third of the complaints that regulators receive are about people not dealing with subject access requests as they should. Now, a lot of people are mistaken about uh, the rules around subject access requests, uh, but basically people have... Uh, much wider rights than they did under the old law, and you have to reply to a subject access request within one month or indicate that you need a two-month extension, and you're going to have to have reasons for that, and the burden of proof is going to be on the person seeking the extension. Now, one of the things that the Met did wrongly, and is very, very common, is they regarded the time limit as 30 days, not a month, now, of course, mm -hmm. in some months, 30 days is okay, but in February, it isn't. Obviously, February is a shorter month, shorter than 30 days. And so one of the things we're seeing is that regulators, I think rightly, uh, are saying, you know, if, you, if you're not even getting the number of days right, then what else is wrong in your policy? Mm -hmm. And in this case, the ICO's belief is that the Met are just not putting enough effort into answering SARS. Now, SARS can be really complex to deal with, particularly for long-standing employees, for example, or particularly where, it, where you use surveillance cameras or other tracking technologies. But that isn't an excuse for ignoring them, and it isn't an excuse for delay. The ICOs say that as at the time of the enforcement action, the Met were 1,100 requests behind. So there yeah. was 1,100 open requests. And nearly 680 were more than three months old, 
three months being the maximum under GDPR, even if you have successfully got that two-month uh, uh, extension. And so as a result, they've issued two enforcement notices to the Met, effectively saying that they have to sort their act out by September. And if they don't, we could be in the odd position where the police commit a criminal offence for sure. failure to comply with the enforcement notice. It now has criminal sanction. So we could be in the odd position of some uh, senior policeman appearing in the dock rather than in the right side of the court to answer criminal charges levied against the service. So it's a pretty hmm. significant case, I think, both for the Met, but for really any organization that handles data or holds data on people. That could be a U.S. corporation, of course, because of the way in which GDPR has extraterritorial effect. So it's definitely one to watch and shows, you know, one of the themes that we've said throughout, that GDPR isn't just about fines. And in cases like this, the Met will have to put in more resources that they might, than, than they might have to do if they were just writing a check and paying a fine for someone. So interesting, indeed. Thank you for sharing that. And you can sort of see the balance at stake because on the one hand, we can appreciate the importance of the access to the data um, as afforded now by uh, GDPR, the, the right to it, shall we say. On the other hand, uh, it's quite burdensome. And you talk about you know, the, the vast number of requests that have been made and the resources that may, must be devoted to complying with the requests. And this is analogous to um, something that I've dealt with here in the United States. We have our Freedom of Information Act federal statute, um, which essentially guarantees people the right to request information from the government, uh, uh, as stated by the Supreme Court once upon a time, to find out what the government is up to, because to have an effective democracy, those who govern must be accountable uh, to those who are governed. Um, so it's all well and good, and quite a bit of teeth was put into that statute in the post-Watergate era because we were very concerned about what happened during the Nixon administration. We wanted to make sure that we could, as a citizenry, better monitor what the government is doing. And so the statute had certain timelines in terms of people being able to request information, uh, not just about themselves, but just basically about the functioning of government to make sure that things aren't happening behind closed doors. And there were timelines. Those timelines have changed a little bit, but back when I was litigating this, the government had to provide information within 10 working days. If there were unusual circumstances, the government could give itself another 10 business days, and then they could apply to a court if there were um, exceptional circumstances that you know, should um, allow them more time if they were exercising due diligence. As you were stating in your situation that you were talking about, uh, the government was falling woefully behind, and I had a case where I was showing that the government was not providing information within 10 business days or an additional 10 business days, but usually over 100 business days and sometimes never. Um, and this went all the way up the chain in terms of the, you know, the federal appellate courts, and the government was saying, this is burdensome on us. It's 
we, we can't get the job done. And, you know, we argued to the court and the court agreed that, listen, this is a statutory requirement. You must do it. It's not my job as a judge or an appellate panel to tell you how you should allocate your resources. You must comply. Now, one thing I will say is, um, you know, this is all a matter of, uh, shall we say, civil governmental litigation. There were no criminal implications like you were suggesting um, in the scenario that you were talking about. So that's my response, Jonathan. How do you wrap this up? No, sounds good to me. I think it is an area where businesses need to add um, some effort of concentration. Of course, some FARs are made almost as revenge attacks or like DDoS attacks to try and hmm. slow a company down or cause it uh, harm or inconvenience. But that's not normally a justification for ignoring them. So as with the FOI regime, I think you have to have proper systems in place to identify requests, handle them quickly. If you're going to reject them, reject them quickly and make sure you're on good grounds too. And uh, if you haven't the ability to reject them, then and get on, sweat the data, provide it to the requester. So it yeah. is an area where businesses, organizations of all shapes and sizes, are, are going to have to add focus, I think. And it's a big job, because think of the myriad types of data that can be requested now. Um, so, all righty. Well, I'm sure we'll be touching on this again at some point soon. This is Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris, bringing you your most recent Tech Law 10. I think this might be about number 251 or so. Um, you can reach me at ejsinrod at duanemorris.com. You can find us on the usual social media outlets. Feel free to tell us other topics you'd like us to touch on. And, Jonathan, your final word. Well, thanks very much for listening. I'm jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Um, it's uh, great to have you listening again. Do get in touch if you want to either talk to us about what we've talked about today or even any weak uh, police puns would also be <laughs> welcome as well. You can address those to do at cordrycompliance.com. <laughs> <laughs> and I want the record to reflect. Uh, Jonathan and I did not discuss in advance that we would be make, making reference to uh, the police and any of their songs. So well done. All right. Cheers. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye.